Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right. Well, I've got for you today um, two short lessons. And uh, when I said that to my father-in-law, he said, you knew I was coming today, didn't you? Saw that short lesson in there. Um, I'll tell you what one of them is right at the beginning. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is what the lesson is. It's uh, how not to respond to the gospel. So the, there's a right way to respond to the gospel. So the gospel we talked about last week, the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Come to this earth, died on the cross for our sins. By putting your faith, your trust in him, all of your sins can be forgiven. He's going to enter you into his new kingdom starting here, right? But then finishing its work there. That's good news. It's good news because uh, it, you, you, you couldn't ever earn that. If you tried, you'd come up short. It's purely by the grace of God. But what we're going to see today in Acts is how not to respond. So we're going to see some gospel sharing happening and how not to respond. How to respond? Faith. You hear the good news? Faith. So I can summarize how to respond in one word. Faith. Okay? How not to respond, we're going to get to see. Uh, before I get into it, let's get some perspective. Paul is in, uh, I should quiz you. I didn't have school three days last week. I'm short on giving quizzes. Does anybody know what city Paul is currently in? Pop quiz. I heard it. Caesarea, good. Somebody knew it. I'm so happy. Right? Caesarea, he's in Caesarea. Um, he's being interrogated by what Roman uh, governor, you could call him, what Roman governor, procurator he might be called, but what Roman governor is interrogating him? Does anybody know that one? You can't answer, you already answered one. Ooh, I think I heard it. I heard a bunch of wrong answers. It starts with the letter F. It's not Festus. He's coming. Felix. There, I knew I heard it from somewhere. Yes, Felix is the one who's interrogating him. The Jews came up. Does anybody remember the name of the lawyer? Told, yeah, there we go, right here. Tertullus, right? The sneaky one. All right, so here we have uh, this story, and this is going to pick up right at the end. So Paul, the, they've shared, Tertullus, the lawyer has shared. Paul responded with a defense of the gospel, focusing in on um, how, a life well lived. And so, so in other words, he's not just defending himself for the defense's sake, but in order to say, I, if I'm going to talk about the gospel, you can ex- ex- please examine my life and see if these things are even true. My life is an open book before you. I heard a pastor one time describe that blameless life, not as sinless, but blameless in the sense of there's not a, not a hook to hang a coat on, right? There's nothing that sticks, you might put it. In Paul's case, that's how he's laid himself out before them. So we get to the end of that, and Felix is going to speak again, and it says this, but Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Now, that put them off, that is actually one word in the Greek, and it's actually a technical term. It means that he's adjourning the case. Case adjourned, right, is basically what he just said. He hasn't made a decision. He just said, case adjourned. I'm done listening to this. And I like how he throws in there, 
um, having a rather accurate, so the reason why he's adjourning the case is why. Having a rather, I can almost hear this Felix guy saying that of himself. Well, I have a rather accurate knowledge of the way. I, I might question his full knowledge. In fact, that could be translated a more accurate knowledge of the way. And so this Felix, he listened to both sides and you get the idea from this sentence that Felix listened to and he's like, I already know what's going on here. You, you know, dismissed. I'll decide this later. Because he's already got decided in his head what, what exactly it is that's going on. He's going to hear maybe something from Lysias when he comes down from Jerusalem, but we don't actually hear anything about that. It's never mentioned again. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. We don't know. But he says, I have a more accurate. He, he claims this. He's going to decide later. And then it says, and he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept. Um, and he's talking about Paul. should be kept in custody, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So in Roman prisons, the prison system didn't provide food for the prisoners. Can you imagine that? So prisoners were reliant upon people from the outside bringing things in so that they could survive their prison term. If they didn't have people on the outside, quite often people in the prison system would starve to death unless there was somebody else that was generous enough to bring something in. So... This particular statement is saying he's not just letting the friends come in to bring something to Paul, but he's going to be very generous. They can bring whatever they want. You know, if they want to bring good food in, that's fine, whatever. He's just got this centurion that's going to guard him. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, we're not going to get the full picture of this conversation but this is where we need to dig in a little bit deeper. So I'm going to ask you a question again, teacher mode back in. Reading this again, and I can read it for you again if you need me to. Did I, did I have I prayed yet? Did I prayed to start up? I should pray. Maybe that's why you guys are having a hard time answering these questions. <laughs> I should pray for you and me. Let's pray because this is, where we, this is where we dig in. This is where the brain really needs to engage. So I'm going to take a moment. Let's pray about this, that God will help us, that the Spirit of God will guide us into some truth here, Okay. Heavenly Father, I just want to ask now, before we go a step further in this story, that your spirit would guide my words, that this wouldn't just be my ideas and my thoughts, but it would be from your truth. I pray now that you'd help us all to have our ears open to what your word has to say. Help us to learn from this situation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so looking up there, feel free to look up there. After some days, Felix came with his wife. Okay. How does Luke, because remember, Luke's the writer of Acts, and we know that the Spirit of God is guiding him, but there's still that, that person that's actually pinning it. We can ask the questions, what might he have been thinking? How did Luke summarize Paul's testimony to Felix? What do you see up there? How would you, what, what little phrase might say, this is how Luke summarized He didn't tell us the whole conversation. How did he summarize it? Anybody? Speak about faith, Right? Now, do you remember a minute ago when I went to, back to the beginning? I said, what's the right way to respond to the gospel? Faith. This, think of this now, not just a telling of the gospel, but anytime you start to, and I think that everybody in this room that has tried to share the gospel with people have come into exactly what happens with the sharing of the gospel. It's not just this truth that's out there. It's a truth that intersects with your life. It's a truth that demands a reaction or a response. 
Does that make sense? If uh, this door, which I've accidentally left open over here, let's say you're getting to walk over there and you're getting to walk in that door, but I knew, because I just peeked in there, that there's a guy with a chainsaw waiting inside that room, right? He doesn't have it started yet, but he's got a quick pull hand, right, to get it going. He's just waiting, right? Now, if you're walking over there and you're headed to, to that door and I go, hey, 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 let me tell you something that's true, Okay? Inside of there, there's a guy with a chainsaw who's going to chop your head off. If you go, okay, I believe it, and keep walking, I might go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't think you understood me. He might go, I completely understood you. You said there's a guy in there with a chainsaw. He's going to cut off my head. What didn't I get? Well, you're still walking. So, what happens? You have to, at some point, you, you, you keep going in the, the truth of what's in there waiting for you. You keep going in that truth, and eventually the truth, you, you, you have to say to the person, you should not go in there, right? Now, how would you feel if at that point that person said, well, don't tell me what to do? You might go, okay. <laughs> you know, or you might go, duh. And tackle them. I mean, there, there's all kinds of reactions. But do you see what happens? There, there's some truths that demand a response. And, and if the, when people don't respond, you start thinking maybe you didn't understand the truth. And so you, you dig deeper into the truth and you start telling them if you understand this truth, this is what it means for you to do, right? And if you've shared the gospel with anybody, You've had those conversations where you're sharing the gospel and you're telling them the good news of Jesus and they're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And at some point you're going, I don't think they're getting it, right? Whether it's right now or later, you start seeing maybe how they're living, what they're doing, and you start going, I don't think you're getting it. And so at some point, and, and sometimes as Christians, we don't, even, we don't like to go, we, we wish they'd figure that out on their own. But sometimes then you have to jump into it and say, you know, it, it, because of this good news, this means, and many times the comments start to come back. Maybe it's, don't tell me what to do, but maybe it's, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? And you're thinking in your head, that has nothing to do with judgment. I'm just, what? I did the guy, chainsaw, <laughs> right? Now, we're going to meet this Drusilla as well. Let's talk about her because to understand what happens next, let's dig in to these people that Paul's talking to. So let's talk about Dr- Drusilla. Drusilla. I keep thinking Cruella DeVille when I say her name, Drusilla. Drusilla, um, daughter of Herod Agrippa I. Um, this is not the Herod of the gospel accounts, but this is the Herod that was, is mentioned in Acts chapter 12. So if you want to look later, you can look at that. Uh, this is the Herod that's mentioned there. This is not the Herod from when Jesus was born and not the Herod from when John the Baptist was uh, killed. Um, Herod Agrippa I, he came after that different, different guy. Um, when uh, uh, Herod Agrippa I died, uh, Drusilla was four years old, or si- four or six years old, we're not sure. Um, six, I have six down, six years old. Um, so she was just a little, little girl. Uh, she was betrothed by her brother, I believe, uh, to be married to a guy... Uh, named Gaius, Julius, Archelius, Antiochus, Epiphanes. Remember that name, it's very important. For, I'm just joking, you don't have to remember that. Uh, 
Um, you, you, he's not important to the story at all. Um, the, the deal was, if you, if you want to marry, you know, is, is for a, a pact or a treaty most likely, right? If you want to marry, you know, into this, they told this guy, Gaius, Julius, or Gaius, whatever, that uh, he had to be, join the Jewish faith, and part of that was to get circumcised. He said no. And so he, then she was uh, given in marriage to Gaius, Julius, same first two names there, Azizus, who is the priest king of Emesa. And we actually have a coin depicting that guy, so he's a real winner there. And uh, so that she was engaged, or she was not just engaged, but actually went through. He followed through, decided to become a uh, Jewish, part of the Jewish faith, got circumcised, he was in. But then along comes, not the spider, but Felix. We've heard of him, right? Uh, Marcus Antonius Felix. And look at, take a look at him. So we've been talking about Felix. That, that's a, from a, an inscription, a coin. That's what his depiction of what he looked like, right? I, I don't like the smirk on his face. Doesn't he look like he has a smirk? He's like, yeah. I, I just maybe I, I picture that's how he was looking when he was talking to Paul. Yeah, I, I've got an accurate way of the way. Okay. So that's how he is. Well, Felix met Drusilla. And we know this not from the scriptures, but from the historian Josephus writes about this interaction. He met Drusilla, lusted after her, wanted her for himself. So according to the historian Josephus, he sent a guy named Simon, who claimed to be a magician, not, probably not the same Simon the magician from the Bible, but I don't know. He persuaded her to divorce her husband. So he's gone, right? Divorce her husband and to marry Marcus Antonius Felix. That's how she ends up in this story intersecting in the life of Paul. Would you say this was a wonderful story that brought her to this place when we meet her in the Bible? I don't think so. She is now married to Felix. She would have been, at the time of Acts, uh, this story that we're in, she would have been 16 years old, married to that Felix, after all these other things. That's after being engaged and all these other things. This is where she's at at this time. She would have been 16 years old when she met Paul. So here we have Drusilla. We have Felix. Do you know a little bit more about Felix now? What kind of guy he was? I mean, we'd said some nasty things about him, but you get a little bit better of a picture. So Paul comes and reasons with them. Drusilla wanted to come too. Drusilla was a Jew. She wanted to come too. That's why it took this, this trickery to get her to divorce her husband because she knew it would go against her religion. And so he, he tricked her by sending this Jewish Simon the magician to tell her, no, this is what God wants you to do. Listen to what it says next. Paul says, and it, it says, and he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Now, let's, you ready to dig into this verse a little bit? We got an idea of the people that are interacting here. We knew Paul already, but now you got Felix and Drusilla. What's going on in their life? This, this might, for many of you, start to sound like something that may have even happened to you. I got to be honest. When I was reading through this, I thought this, this, is, this, this rings true to sharing the gospel in our modern culture. 
The people that you share the gospel with don't come from pristine backgrounds for the most part, do they? So as Paul is sharing his faith, Luke goes on to give these, these next three ideas about what it means to share your faith. They're there. They're unavoidable. It's going to happen. Notice the first one there. I'll, let, I'll quiz you again. Should I hide the screen from you? I won't do that. What's the first one? Anybody just say it. What's the fr- three things summarizing this sharing of his faith? What's the first one you see? Righteousness. What's the second one? Self-control. And the third one is coming judgment. You hear that? You see that in the text? We don't get the conversation. We just get it summarized by Luke. This is how this, this, is how this conversation unfolded. These are key points. Reason means dialogue. It has to be with going back and forth. But let's take a look at that first one, righteousness. Literally means talking about what is right. At some point in a faith conversation, maybe not the first time or the second time or even the third time, but at some point, I have found this inevitably happens. The discussion of right, what is right, what is wrong, comes up. I've had many a conversation where eventually it comes to it. And many times people even are are leading you to that. Like they want you to say it. They want you to say blank, whatever it is that they're doing, is wrong. Sometimes they want that just to know. Sometimes they want that because they want to say, I don't want to talk to you anymore then. But this is a real part of a faith conversation. At some point it goes to this. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I got to be honest. I, sometimes I try to avoid that part as long as I can. That's probably not good. But, but I, I know usually the response to it after that. And I want them to understand in sharing what's right and wrong that there's a heart of love there. I always want to make sure that that is understood first. So in some ways, I think I'm okay with, with holding on because that's not, some people lead with that. You know any Christians that lead with that? They meet somebody that needs the gospel, and the first thing they talk about, you're living in sin. <laughs> Sit up, right? Is that, is that a good? No. I, I don't think we lead with that. But the reality is it comes up. It's going to. It has to. There is right. There is wrong. Those things exist. It's not determined by democracy. It's not determined by consensus. All throughout history, there's things that the Bible has stood for and it has not changed. Sometimes uh, the, the culture goes right in line with it. Sometimes it goes very much against it. We got some things right now that are, man, right lined up with, with Christian ideas. We got some things right now that in our culture, people say, no, this is what's right. And it goes very much against what scripture says. All of history has been that way. Sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes it's different. Things change in history, the Bible stands sure. For me, I'm, I'm much rather would let my determining of right and wrong not be determined by the, the, the fleeting fluctuations of a society, but by God's word, right? Let it stand supreme. Let God be true and every single one of us liars, if so be. The next thing that he goes to, I think is also inevitable, Self-control. Ben Witherington III, one of my favorite commentaries through Acts, says, 
said that he's the one that wrote the socio-rhetorical Greek commentary, right? So he digs into these words. He said this is a very broad term for, so, uh, for self-control. So he wasn't helpful at all in this, this case. But here's the thing. I believe that this is very important, this idea of self-control. Disney would disagree with me flat out, along with most romantic comedies that are produced. Let me give you an example. I love my wife. Love her. Love my son, Josiah. Um, I'd like to say I always feel that way, but I don't. Except for you, of course. But what, what does it mean to love? Right? I'll pick on Samuel. He's not here. Samuel does some things that, that drain me of loving feelings. <laughs> I'd die for that kid. I love him, has nothing to do with how I feel. He is important to me. He stands as someone who's important to me. And that won't ever change. Love him. Love is not a feeling. Do you see where I'm going with this? See, that's at the core of self-control. We live in a society that says what? That says something very different. If I feel this way, it must be True, I got to deal with it. Sometimes the dealing of with what you feel is to go like this. That's wrong. I'm not going to do it. But I really want it. So what? So what? This is why Jesus can say and mean, love your enemies. Now see, how would that be possible if love meant have warm, sappy feelings for them? That is not what it means. What's Jesus talking about? He says, love your enemies. Is he saying, when you look at your enemies, go, oh, I love you. No. <laughs> That's not what you're going to do, is it? What does it mean to do? I, I, I want to I love them. I'm not, they're, they're important. And I, I'm going to put what's going on in the life as, if, if necessary, more important than what's going on here. If I, if I need to put others' needs ahead of my own. How can I show love to them? There's a part of me that really hates their guts, but how can I show love to them? But see, that's, that's where the self-control comes in. Because that part of me that says, I hate their guts, you know what you have to do to it? Die to it. That's what Paul says. Die to self. If you desire to have someone for yourself that isn't your spouse, that's not love. Is it? Never is. What's it, what is that? That's called adultery. It's called sin. If you don't like to go to work because it's hard, right? Why, why, why do you work hard at work? Is it just for the paycheck? Ought not to be. The Bible says this, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men. Suddenly, even that is a spiritual issue. And so you go to work and you're like, I hate this job. What do you do? Work heartily. That's, see, this is where the conversation went. As Paul's describing faith, it inevitably comes up that the things of God, right and wrong, some of the right things go against your, your being, right? Some of the things that are right 
don't, I mean, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish when, in fact, I wish when you got saved, anybody in here with me on this one? I wish when I got saved, suddenly all I ever wanted to do was all the best, best thing. Anybody with me on that one? I wish that's how it, anybody say, uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> anybody ever have that disappointment after you got saved? Maybe like when you first became a Christian and then suddenly you, were, you still did something sinful and you're like, what is wrong? I need to get saved again, right? And, it, and finally, it finally had somebody that had to tell you that this, no, that's the flesh. You're, you're, you're battling this. You're like a weird schizophrenic person now because you're going to, you get the flesh is rearing up inside of you and you're always telling yourself no. So you start to talk to yourself as a good Christian does. It's crazy. Man, I really want that. No, you don't. Shut up. See, I mean, that's what it, self-control. When you have faith in Jesus, he gives you the spirit of God that determines the decisions that ought to be made. See, that's where the intersection starts to happen. He empowers you. We could talk about that. But right at the point of this conversation, it's not to that yet. For Felix, it's coming across as what's right and wrong. Have some self-control, buddy. Can you imagine how Felix is hearing this? Imagine how Drusilla is hearing this with their past. One of my commentaries said, Paul talked about the three things that Felix needed to hear, that Drusilla needed to hear. I have no idea if Paul knew their background. But this intersected right where they're at. Let's take a look at this last one here. Coming judgment. The good news is so good because of the bad news. Bad news, not just that you're a sinner, that there's a right and wrong, and that you've probably failed countless times. But the bad news goes deeper than that. There is a coming judgment. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. When you're talking about righteousness and you're talking about self-control, you start to realize that's the truth. Every single one of us comes short. Not a one of us matches up or meets that place. And then we start to find out as well from Paul, the wages of sin then is what? Go ahead and say it. Death. And we know when he says that, he's not just talking about the physical body dying, is he? You get, a, you get a hint of that, that there's some, a bigger kind of death. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, I mentioned this one last week. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus speaking. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Ever hear said a careless word? That's scary, isn't it? Paul, on that day, according to my gospel, which I think is an interesting phrasing, I, I've marked this first. I want to dig more into this because of how it's phrased. I've never noticed this before. On that day when, according to my gospel, according to the good news, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. I'm going to have to dig into that one. But consider what he's saying. There's a connection between the gospel and the fact that God judges even what? Go ahead, let's say that word out well, as well. God judges the what? Secrets. Anybody have that look come on your face when you start thinking about God judging the secrets? You, I mean, it, we can't help it. We just go, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. But, but when it says secrets, that's actually Greek for something that everybody knows, right? Nope. Nope, that's secrets. 
Romans 14, 12, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. Imagine that scenario. I have no idea what that's going to look like. In some way, there's going to be some type of situation in your future where you're going to be giving an account to God of you. I don't want to give away anything, but aren't you so glad that when that day comes, you'll be able to say, it's all true. I'm dependent on Christ as my Savior. God, it's all true. Every word of it. I'm guilty. Imagine that Christ at that moment is at our side. He'll say, paid for, paid for, paid for. My righteousness for him in faith. You see why in Revelation it talks about the crowns coming to us, we're just throwing them all at Jesus' feet? I don't deserve any of this. It's all him. It's all him. Hebrews says this, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think apart from Christ, even with Christ, I think I will be afraid. There's not a person in the Bible that comes before God that isn't rendered speechless. And when they do finally say things, say things like this, woe is me, I'm unclean. Back in Acts, he, because he has fixed the day when she will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now I could go on with this, but this is precisely where this conversation was headed with Felix and Paul and Drusilla. And so it's no surprise that we read this next. The reason about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. That word could be translated terrified. Terrified. And what's he say? Go away from me for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. You can imagine him trying to maintain his composure. What was the lesson for today? How not to respond to the gospel. Instead of faith, what does Felix do? We see this first point here. Put it off. Okay, so let's, let's share a little bit. How many of you have had that happen? You're sharing the gospel and you, you, you're, you're, you're talking to Now, you could also answer this question. Maybe, the, maybe you were on the, the other side of this, but let's answer it this way first. Sharing the gospel and you think in somebody's, they're getting there and you're, you're talking about these things and you think, and then at some point in the conversation, they go, um, I, I gotta go, I put it, and you're, you're wanting them to, you're wanting that, that thing, you know, uh, make some kind of decision or acknowledgement or something. And they get to that point and they're just like, well, you know, anybody ever had that happen? Uh, you're not alone. Had Paul, it happened to Paul right here. You're not alone. Paul had that exact same thing happen. He's sharing these things. And Paul, Paul had it happen. So if it can happen to Paul, it can happen to us. Put it off. Uh, when I was looking at this, the verse that jumped into my head, I, I've mentioned several times here at church that uh, when, I, when I truly became a believer, it was connected with this passage in James chapter 2, verse 14. But it was shortly after reading that one that I really was like, <clears throat> okay, I uh, need to decide something. Uh, I read in Hebrews this verse. I was flipping through Hebrews and I read this. And it said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And I bolded the part that jumped off the page and smacked me in the face. 
uh, on that day. I was hearing these things and this like jumped at today. If you hear his voice, don't put it off. That is the wrong way to respond to the gospel. Listen to what happens next. At the same time, so he sends Paul away. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. So he's not done with Paul, but he's, he's hoping for a bribe, right? He's hoping for a bribe. And so he's bringing Paul back, but not to hear more of the gospel. He's got something else in mind. And so in trying to think about what, how this summarizes to so many people, think of it this way. The wrong way to focus on the gospel, focus on, or a wrong way to respond to the gospel, focus on immediate benefits. This is exactly where some people get tripped up when it comes to responding to the gospel. They start thinking about what they're going to miss out on right now. This is going to cause issues right now. For me to believe in this and what it means, it's going to cause issues right now, but I want these things right now. Let me ask you then. Anybody ever been in that case? Let's ask it a different way. Maybe if you can remember back, for some of you, you'll have to think back a long, long time. But maybe when you were hearing the gospel, did you ever have that? I just am totally curious. You may have that where the, maybe the first or second time they heard it, they, they're like, but I want this stuff now. And if I did this, I'm going to miss out on this. Anybody have that kind of thing happen when you first? I saw more than one hand come up. Yeah. You start thinking. It's no wonder Jesus says, consider the cost. In a very real way, it feels that way. This is what Felix did. He wanted some sort of immediate benefits. And I want to add in there, not just that I'm going to throw this in there, short-sighted. Is that not short-sighted? Felix has been dead for a couple thousand years. If If he would have gotten a bribe, how much would that have helped him in the long run? Nothing. Doesn't matter. It's very short-sighted. He's looking like this. Maybe I can get some money. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Festus, Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Now, there's a couple things I'm going to point out here, but let me point out the first one as it relates to Felix. Desiring to do the Jews a favor. He's still thinking about benefits, but not just immediate, maybe, maybe a little bit more long-term but you might call them lifetime benefits. He's trying to hold his place and his position, do the Jews a favor, keep everything. I mean, he's thinking politically, right? It, kind of the way I might think about in a retirement account, right? I might miss out on some money. See, I'm not completely short-sighted. I can think about how this will benefit me in 20, 30 years. Am I going to live that long? It's a lot. 30, maybe 20. I might make it. Uh, you know, but you might think down the road that far, but... That's really still short-sighted, is it not, of Felix? If I do this, I'm going to miss out on these things. I mean, he could have done the right thing. Paul was innocent. According to Roman law, and he's the Roman governor, he should have set Paul free. He didn't do it. He wanted to do the, he's doing these wrong things. But he's got his mindset on his career. As Christianity ever influence somebody's career choice? I think so. I wonder how many people in this room, either with somebody else you've known or with yourself, hesitated with Christianity. Maybe you saw them hesitating. Maybe it was you. Saw some hesitation because they knew this. They knew that Christianity was going to mean a change 
of career. They couldn't keep doing what they were doing because they knew God didn't want that anymore. I think there's probably a few missionaries that if they were here would go, I had this plan. God had this one. I knew to follow him, it meant that. Praise God they took it, right? How not to respond to the gospel, putting it off, and an essential be being short-sighted, right? Now I have a final little um, application. This one's really short. It's going to be one word. I have one more lesson for you. It's, it's one word, okay? And you can read that. That was just for you to read. That wasn't for me. The final word is this. Not be patient. There's a lesson on patience here. Did anybody catch, without me flipping back to it, did anybody catch how long Paul was in prison? Two years. More than one of you saw it. Can you imagine two years of your life basically having the opportunity to maybe witness to the, just one guy and his wife, and they never, they're never on the same page. They're wanting bribes, and they're, they're not ever with you. Can you imagine continuing on in that situation? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Sometimes if you try to witness to somebody two or three times and they're not getting there, like, oh, I'm off to the next person. I think there's a real lesson for all of us right here with Paul in patience. He's not out traveling through, you know, the rest of the Roman Empire, building churches and starting churches. He's stuck in this prison. He has some liberty to get some provisions, but he's stuck in this prison, basically getting to witness to Felix and Drusilla. Maybe the centurion every once in a while, if they're willing to listen to him. I think that's a true lesson in patience on Paul's part. I think it's good for you to hear that as well, because maybe you have somebody in your life you've witnessed to, and you witnessed to, and you witnessed to, and nothing. Now, I'm... I don't want to give you much hope from this one because as far as we know, Felix never repents. Shortly after this, Felix was brought back to Rome and uh, he, he wasn't given a punishment, but Nero brought him back to Rome, uh, relieved him of his duty here because he was such a horrible governor, doing such a horrible job with the Jews and appeasing them and he was doing violent things towards them. And so Nero pulled him back because he wasn't able to keep the peace. We don't know anything else about him or Drusilla. Lost the history. But Paul patiently witnessed two years. I think it'd be kind of interesting to hope in, maybe, Felix back at Rome. Who eventually made it to Rome? You guys know in this story who eventually made it to Rome? Paul does, right? I like to hope, optimistically, that maybe, this was continued later. We don't know. You're going to find out at the end of Acts, it ends very abruptly, and I've got some really interesting reasons for why it does that. But we're going to find out that it ends abruptly. We don't find out any more about this. We don't hear a lot about Paul's uh, time in Rome. We don't know a whole lot about it. But I like to hope, and I want to encourage you to hope for those people you've been witnessing to. Maybe you've lost contact. My final question before we take communion, have you ever had that happen? Somebody you've lost contact with and in the back of your mind, everyone that, every once in a while they cross your mind, you just say, Lord, there's somebody where they're at. Could you just send them their way? Send them their way. I don't have the contact anymore to be able to 
talk to them and try to pray for them and encourage them, but I, well, I can still pray for them. And God, would you just cause somebody to intersect their paths? My mom reminded me the other day of how many times she's heard on the radio some of the, the, the preachers that you hear on the radio when they're taking flights will share stories later about how they were on this flight to this and they, they sit, whoever they sit next to, they're like, I'm going to talk to this person. Right? Maybe, right? Can you think optimistically about those you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for? Can you just continue to do it? And trust that God had you in their life for this time. And be patient. All right, I'm going to have my ushers. I don't know who they are today. You, you do? Okay. I'll have you guys come on up. And uh, I want today to be an opportunity with communion. And I think we have a song afterwards as well, don't we? Okay. Um, with communion, uh, okay, so I'm going to pray for this and ask that God would bless this time. Let this be a time for you to examine yourself like we talk about every week. Examine yourself and say, uh, have, how, am I, how am I responding to the gospel myself? Right? But then turn it around and ask yourself, as you're sharing the gospel with others, are you willing to be patient like Paul to keep at it? Even when, like Felix and Drusilla, they came, I'm sorry, you guys are just standing here. Even when Felix and Drusilla came for the wrong reasons, Paul still conversed with them, didn't he? They were one to bribe. He talked with them. Are you willing to do that and be patient? All right, let's pray.